Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, let me, let me ask you to take your Bibles and go with me to Exodus. Exodus chapter 23. Let me begin by saying, Greg, it's good to see your face in the service this morning. And Felisa, it's nice to have you back on the piano. Um, I know that you all are excited to be back. Now, I just so you, we all understand, I had to come over in the middle of the service and say to Greg, would you stop singing because I'm afraid you're going to cough through the rest of the service. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like telling a preacher not to preach when you have an opportunity. And he was down here just kind of helping the praise team, but he wanted to sing and uh, so he finally looked at me and go, well, I'm already hurting. Well, that's a good thing to stop, you know. So if he gets to coughing, he's, he's good. He just has to get that out of his system. But we're glad to have you back. This morning I want to talk to you a little bit about trust. And um, I think about it. I don't know where you are on the trust factor. Uh, there, there is a, and it doesn't take a rocket science, but it, there is an issue of trust in our world today. Would you agree? Yeah. Uh, we, we don't know who to trust. And because we don't know who to trust, we decide we're not going to trust anyone. And that is a problem in a lot of ways. Uh, every year there is a uh, trust barometer that is put out by a company, uh, by Edelman, and they do it for about 28 countries. So it's not just the United States. But they do this trust barometer, and it looks at a variety of things. It, it'll look at government, how, how well you trust government. It's going to look at um, non-government organizations or uh, NGOs. Uh, it's going to look at um, religious. It's going to look at all sorts of things, stock, you know, money, that kind of thing. Well, in 2018, uh, their report came out and said that the United States, that's not what I want yet, the United States had, that's the quote at the end, the United States had suffered the greatest, uh, largest impact in trust in America in 2018. And it was interesting that it had dropped well over 9% and had gotten to the lower, uh, the lower quarter of the 28 countries. And so, kind of put that in perspective for you. Out of the 28 countries that, that this thing looks at, and I mean, just about every country you can think of, they're, they're in this report. The United States falls in the lower, for the first time in history, lower quarter of that. So that means there are tons of countries in front of us. Uh, it looked at, in, in 2018, it looked at, uh, you know, it looks at all these every year, but in 2018, it, it made this remark about government. For the first time in American history, had we, had we dropped, the government had dropped nine points, and, and it was down 33% of Americans now trust the government in 2018. Now, 2020 in the new report that came out two weeks ago, I think it was, uh, government had, had come up 7%. Now, you're, some of you are going to go, well, I can't believe that the government's improved in, in two years. Uh, I'm just, I'm reporting the facts here, folks, not trying to tell you to believe one way or another, I'm just reporting the facts. But one of the things that was interesting is not only did, did the report talk about uh, the government, but it talked about all these other things. 
One of the biggest things in the 2020 report was people are more concerned about fake news today than anything else. They have a fear that fake news is impacting our country with greater impact than ever before. And we've seen that. Uh, 2019, there was a report of a van, a white van, who was picking up uh, children and molesting them and, and, and kidnapping them. And it was in, in one of our prominent cities in the United States. And so it was all over Facebook. And we all know Facebook is only truth. And so the mayor of this town without, and I'm not talking Glasgow, I'm talking a major city in the United States. Go look it up. Uh, mayor of that major city said, put out a report, watch out for all white vans. To which there were a couple of guys who owned a repair company uh, house painters, I think they were, who continually got stopped and harassed by police because they drove a white van. When the mayor finally was pressed on the issue, did you get that from chief of police? Have they, have they? No, Facebook said it. And this whole pandemic, this whole, this whole confusion happened over fake news that showed up on Facebook. So, there is this issue of trust. In fact, in 2018, here's, here's what the report said. Um, the United States, this is from their CEO, the United States is enduring an unprecedented crisis of trust. This is the first time that the massive drop in trust has been linked to a pressing economic, or economic issue or catastrophic. In fact, it is the ultimate irony that it's happening at a time of prosperity. This is 2018, remember, with the stock market and employment rates in the U.S. at high, record highs. You, you can go look at those reports. They come out every year. But it was interesting how much these reports talk about the lack of trust in America. I think we know that. In fact, I was talking to somebody this morning about trust. And, and I was like, I think we all realize there's, there's this lack of trust. I mean, I grew up... I, I'm, I'm not the youngest person in the room, I'm, and I'm not the oldest person in the room. That's pretty easy for me to say and get away with not hurting anybody's feelings. You, you determine where you fit in that realm, all right? But I can still remember a time that you could call a banker and say, I need this much money, and the banker would, would give it to you over the phone, and then you'd go in and sign the paperwork. Anybody remember that time? Anybody, you know, I'm not going to ask you anywhere. I can remember, I, I, my grandfather never locked his house. I don't know what I would have done if I'd have walked over to Papa Carter's house and it had been locked. Probably kicked the door in to see if he was all right, because, I mean, he never locked the. In fact, in our personal house, it was up until, I mean, for years, we didn't lock our personal house. My dad had a side business of a garage, a shop, had I don't know how many thousands of dollars worth of equipment and tools in there. Never was locked. Anybody remember those times? Show of hands. How many leave your house unlocked right now? Marshall Bailey. If you're watching us on television. No, I'm just kidding. I will not say that. I'm just kidding. He locked it and has a security system. So, um, we, you know, we remember those times. What, what has happened? Why is that not the case anymore? Well, I think there's two reasons. 
One, I think, you know, we can talk about living in a different age, but we don't trust our neighbors like we once did, do we? I mean, we've all faced issues. We, we struggle with trust. I mean, we've, if I asked for a show of hands, I think everybody would raise their hand that you've been burned by somebody you, you trusted at some point. Something's happened. Some, at some point in that relationship, something was done, and, and the trust level is just not what it once was. Whether it's a family member or coworker, you name it. But the other thing I think is the reason we're not there is the gospel doesn't have the impact it once had. And you think, well, why, why, what do you mean by the gospel not having the impact? Well, here's the thing. When the gospel impacts people's lives, we understand how to love our neighbor. And when we love our neighbor... We're not coveting what our neighbor has. We're not stealing what our neighbor has. We're not looking to, to, to take advantage of our neighbor. And so I think the gospel has, has lost its impact on our country. And, and listen, if you need me to, to explain that to you, you can raise your hand or catch me afterwards. But I think we all understand that the, that the gospel has lost its influence in our culture. And so how... So what do we do? Well, this morning, I'm going to take us down a path in, in looking at the people of Israel, of how God has put this before them. He has given them the Ten Commandments. He continued to give them the ordinances. And then as he was sending them out, he gives them this one, one more pep talk. Here you go. Let's go. Remember to trust and obey because there's no better way and and it's the same thing for you and I. Now, let me get to the end real quick. We know the history of Israel, right? They say, yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, we will follow and obey. Yes, Lord, what, what you call us to do. But then they came to a point where they decided that they knew what was best. And you and I find ourselves in a, cult, in a country and a culture that does the same thing. What we have to do is come back to our roots and remember to trust and obey. Because there's no better way. So if you have your Bible and you're at uh, Exodus 23, would you stand as we read God's holy word? We're going to be again in verse 20. I'm going to send an angel before you to protect you on the way and bring you to the place that I have prepared. Now, let me just stop for just for a second because I'm, I'm so much in this text, I, I'm not going to address the angel. The angel, just so you know, is Jesus, okay? Let's, so you get that. That's Jesus coming to work with the people of Israel. And you, we see that in the next verse. Be attentive to him and listen to him. Do not defy him because he will not forgive your acts of rebellion for my name is in him. There you go. But if you will carry, if you will carefully obey him and do everything I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. For my angel will go before you and bring you to the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow and worship to their gods. Do not serve them. Do not 
imitate their practices. Instead, demolish them and smash their sacred pillars to pieces. Serve the Lord your God, and he will bless you, your bread and your water. I will remove illness from you. No woman will miscarry or be childless in your land. I will give you the full number of your days. I will cause the people ahead of you to feel terror and will throw into confusion all the nations you come into. I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you and retreat. I will send hornets in front of you. I will drive the Hittites, Canaanites, and the Hebatites out away from you. I will drive them out ahead of you in a single year. I will not drive them out in a single year. Otherwise, the land will become desolate and the wild animals would multiply against you. I will drive them out little by little ahead of you until you have become numerous and have taken possession of the land. I will set your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea, from the wilderness to the Euphrates River, for I will place the inhabitants of the land under your control, and you will drive them out ahead of you. You must not make a covenant with them or their gods. You may be seated. Here's what I want you to catch this morning as we look at this text. It's real simple. I want you to catch, for believers to be victorious, they, must, they have to trust and obey God, which leads to a blessed life. Catch that? For believers to be victorious, they must trust and obey God, and which leads to a blessed life. Israel, when we look at this text, Israel has had a variety of, of highs and lows. They have experienced mountaintop experiences. They have experienced a lot of great things. I mean, they had, they had been under Pharaoh, and then they left. They got to the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, they're on this low. Oh, what do we do? Oh, poor us. And then God opens the Red Sea, and they pass by. No other person in history can talk about that but the people of Israel, of how God would part those waters. And as they crossed over, not only did he part that water, but he caught Pharaoh and his men, and they died in that. They've gone to the mountain, and they've heard from God in an impressive way, in a way that, that they were just fearful. They said to Moses, here's the thing, you hear from him and tell us. We fear God. We'll do whatever he tells us to do. So now they come to this place and they're headed to the promised land and all these highs and, and God says, yeah, but your work's not done. There's still much more on the journey to get to. You still will face highs and lows. There'll still be mountaintop experiences. There's still going to be valleys that you're going to go through. Sound familiar? The thing you have to do is you've got to trust and obey. Trust and obey. So let's look at three things this morning that I think we can do. First thing I want you to catch, you must trust God to do what God says he'll do. You must trust God to, to do what God says he will do. Now when we look at these verses that we've just read, eight out of 13 of them are our first person. 
In other words, God is having this conversation with them, and he's saying, I will, I will, I'm, I will do this. And eight of these verses have, have that, that thought process. In fact, look at, look at verse 20. It says, I am, this is God, I am going to send an angel before you to protect you on the way and bring you to the place that I have prepared. God has a first-person involvement. Listen, when God is going to be victorious, God's got to be involved. If you want victory in your life over sin, over temptation, over the trials and tribulations you face, God's got to be present. God can't be some backseat driver. God's got, he can't be the helper in the car. God's got to be in control. Very much in control. So he's giving that. Here, look at verse 28. This is the one I like. I will send hornets in front of you, and they will drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and the Hithites away from you. I will send hornets in front of you. Now, there are people who want to look at these verses and go, well, that's just figuratively speaking. I, I don't, I mean, you might think so. I, I, I don't. Um, you ever been around a hornet? I mean, listen, uh, I think it's funny to be around a hornet when it's not me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because when there are people who are around hornets and bees and that kind of thing, and they're not, now, now listen, I'm not talking about if you're allergic and you got to get up and run. I, listen, I, if you're allergic and got to get up and run, you run fast and hard and go quickly, okay? But it's the rest of the people that aren't allergic, but you know, they just go crazy. I mean, they swat at the sky, they, they roll around on the ground, they, 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 I mean, anybody, anybody want to say that's what you do? Hey, all of you are lying that you didn't raise your hand. I had this idea of an illustration to let out a group of hornets in the room today, and I, I thought, no, they'll understand without me having to bring hornets, but maybe I should have. But, you know, I think people go crazy when, when, when they're around a bee. So why wouldn't you? I mean, think about it. Think about thousands of hornets being released by God. Do you think that would do it to, to run people away? I mean, in our own personal life, we get up and run. In our own personal life, we, we, we swat, we, we, we go, we get up and and do something else. So why not think that when God says, I will send hornets to drive them out, that's what he really means. See, all Israel had to do was to trust him. I mean, he's got the plan. He's got the idea. All you have to do is trust him because he's going to make it work if you trust him. It's the same thing for you and me. Whatever we're going through today, whatever valley we're experiencing, all we have to do is trust him. And he will lead the way. Whenever we read scripture from Genesis to Revelation, we find in the story of God that God loves his people unconditionally. And he's always at work for his people. 
What we have to do is trust him. But let's be honest. We, we think we would trust him more if we could see his mighty acts. I don't think that's the case. Because let's be honest, Israel watched the, the sea parted. They laid at the feet of the mountain, heard the voice of God. They, they've seen God's mighty acts. And in Numbers 13, when Moses sends the spies into the to check, 12 of them went back, came, went in, all 12 came back. Only two said, hey, we can take them because God's on our side. The other 10 said, oh, no, we can't go. We'll never defeat them. We're not able to. What happened? 10 didn't trust God. And so you go, well, if we could see these acts, we, we listen, they saw them. And they missed it. We've got to trust God to do what God says he will do. The whole time I thought of this message, I thought of that hymn, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way. Look at verse 2 of that verse, or that song. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear. Not a sigh or a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Do you trust God today? Do you trust him with, the, with everything? Not just the big stuff, but with everything. Trusting is difficult. But here's the thing. We have a God who's into the difficult he takes the difficult in our life, and it's easy to him if we'll just trust. Second thing I want you to catch from this text is simply this. Your success requires obedience. Your success requires obedience. Now, when you look at our text here, we find that Israel, God had been very clear to them of all the things he would do. So what did that leave for Israel to do? Well, that, that means they get to be lazy and wait around on God, put their feet up and think, well, at some point he'll come tell us what to do next. That mean they could just laugh and go through life and wait until he said, move? No, no. They had to be obedient. They had to live each day in obedience. And he gave them instructions. Look at verse 21 in your text. Be attentive to him, this is Jesus, and listen to him. Do not defy him because he will not forgive your acts of rebellion. For my name is in him. Look at verse 22, the first part. But if you will carefully obey him and do everything I say. So here it is. God's saying, remember, your role is to be obedient. Look at verse 24. Do not bow and worship to their gods, and do not serve them, do not imitate their practices. Instead, demolish them and smash their sacred pillars into pieces. Verse 25 says, serve the Lord your God. And then again in verse 32 and, and 33. 
You must not make a covenant with them of their, or their gods. They must not remain in your land or else they will make you sin against me. If you serve their gods, it will be a snare for you. So here's the thing. Your success requires obedience. God was very clear with the people of Israel. I'm going to do all this for you. I'm going to give you long life. I'm going to take care of these things. Here's the thing you have to do. Just be obedient. Just be obedient. Now, you, you look at that text and you, and you think, well, yeah, we can be obedient. But there was a thing there in, in verse 24. It talked about smash their idols and, and, and pay attention to that. Here's what they were doing. They were going into the land of Canaan. And Canaan was an agricultural land. It produced lots of crops. And in order to be a successful farmer, you had to worship the God who oversaw the fertilization and the crops. And so God knows that as the people of Israel go in, they're going to want to eat and they're going to need food and they're going to need to do all these things. And so in our culture, we, you know, we, we don't think about worshiping a God to, to bring about growing crops. We just worship God and ask the God of all creation to do that. But in and in the pagan culture, there was a God for everything. We had a moon God, we had a sun God, we had an agricultural God. And so God knows as they go in and move into these territories, if they're not careful, they're going to, they're going to fall into all these other gods. And, they, and when they do that, there'll be no obedience. There'll be no obedience to to God. We, we kind of understand that, don't we? I mean, we kind of fall into things from time to time. We, we go down a path and um, we get hooked. We can get hooked by lots of things. You, we can get hooked by a television commercial. I, I, I don't, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever thought when you watched a TV commercial that said that they could do this, they, that they could restore your car's paint, take all the dents out by this 1995 bottle of car wash. You watch that and go, well, I need to buy that, right? And, and, and again, don't raise your hand if you've ever done that, but you buy it and you try it and you go, well, that didn't do anything but take the dirt off. You know, what, what happened? You, you got hooked. Sometimes we get hooked on good things, and they become our idols. Now remember, not all idols are bad. Idols are sometimes good, or good things, let's say it that way. No idol is good. But an idol can be a family. Well, Pastor, we love our family. We, we love our family so much that the weekends we spend as a family together. I know we're not coming to church and we're not, we're not worshiping, but you just got to know we, we have a family that is tight. Our grandchildren, we love our grandchildren. We keep them close. and we, We're spending so much time with them and helping them. Oh, pastor, don't worry. We're praying at the meal table. You know what's happened? You've replaced God 
with an idol of family. Now, now hear me. I'm not saying family's bad, but anything you put before God is an idol. Pastor, we'd come to church, but you know, Sundays are a busy day for us. We own this business and we just can't get away. We, we, you know, I don't know why we can't find people to, to work for us on Sundays, so we just we have to fill in on Sundays. You know what's happening? A business becomes an idol. And, and here's the thing. I, I, I love Chick-fil-A. Anybody else? Drew, you better get your hand, you better get both hands up. Drew, the only thing Drew would miss about Elizabethtown is our neighborhood, we come out of our neighborhood, at the back of our neighborhood was Chick-fil-A. And when Daddy took him to school, which was most of the time, we had Chick-fil-A every morning for breakfast. Come to Glasgow, he goes, where's Chick-fil-A? 25 miles that way. But here's the thing. Chick-fil-A's proven that you don't have to work on Sunday to make money. We put idols in our life and we think they're supposed to be there. And the only thing it does, it's hurting our relationship with God and keeping us from being obedient. Your success requires your obedience. You look throughout Scripture, you find God is always calling us to a, a life of obedience. Always. Now, I, let me, I, I know I stomped pretty hard there on Sunday. Let me, let me just back up. If you work on Sundays, there's still other opportunities. So don't, don't, don't let me lead you to believe that Sunday is the only day. Because there are churches that meet on Saturday, churches you can worship on Wednesday. You can still put God first if you have to work on Sunday. But you've got to work at it. But your success requires obedience. Look, look at our song again, Trust and Obey. Third verse. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we'll do, where he sends we'll go. Never fear, only trust and obey. What he says, we will do. Obedience. we got to be obedient. Obedience requires, is required for your success. So the third thing I want you to catch. Your faithfulness leads to godly blessing. Your faithfulness leads to godly blessings. Let's look at verse, verses here, uh, 25. Serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread, your water. I will remove illness from you. No woman will miscarry or be, be childless in your land. And I will give you the full number of your days. Your faithfulness leads to godly blessing. When God's speaking to the people of Israel at this moment, he tells them, hey, listen, I'm going to do this. If you'll be obedient, this is what's going to happen. You'll have, you'll have plenty of water to drink. You'll have plenty of food to, to eat. You'll have long life. Your families will grow if you'll be obedient. If you'll be obedient, that's what will happen. Now, let's, let's be careful here for a moment. 
Because at this moment when God is speaking, he's speaking to Israel at a specific time for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. Catch that? Specific time, reason, and purpose. That's not to say that if you will be faithful today, that you will not have any bad days. That you won't have moments of struggle, moments of heartache. That's not, that's not to say that at all, because in the grand scheme of things, when we read Genesis through, through Revelation, we know that good people have difficult days. Right? I mean, we know that, that godly people get sick. Godly people have cancer. Godly people go through divorce. Godly people's children rebel. We, we know godly people have miscarriages. We know that happens. So you cannot look at this text and go, if I will just be obedient, God's going to do all that. Because if you have that thought process, your theology is wrong. Now hear me. There are people in this world who have that thought process. In fact, it's called prosperity gospel. And prosperity gospel is, the, uh, is the, the theology of America today. That we have a life that if we're obedient, God's going to bless us. We're going to have money. We're going to have a good health. All these things are going to happen. And listen, folks, it's not new to America. It's been around for a while. You remember Jim and Tammy Baker, the PTL? Oh, praise Jesus. Bring your money here. We'll pray for you. Prosperity gospel has been a long time. And you go, well, I don't, I don't know it by that name. Well, let me put it this way to you. If you ever get sick or bad things happen and you go, I don't understand. I've been good. God, I go to church. I'm involved in my Sunday school class. Your thought process is prosperity gospel. Because that's not what the Bible teaches. Look at John 15, 18, verse 18 says, this is Jesus. If the world hates you, understand it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember, the world, the word I spoke to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll, they will also keep yours. Listen, Jesus tells us, there's hard days. You're going to get it from people. People aren't going to like you if you trust Jesus, if you obey Jesus. So we have to understand that when, Jesus, when God tells the people of Israel that your faithfulness leads to blessings, for them it meant you're going to experience a great life no need for water, food, family's going to get larger, health is going to be good. So you say, well, pastor, what's that mean for you and me? How does my faithfulness lead to blessings? Well, here's, here's how that means. Remember, Jesus paid it all, right? The victory for you and I has already been paid for our sin on Calvary, Right? And so our blessing will not come on this side of eternity, but on the other. 
John says it this way in Revelation. Revelation 21, 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Here's the thing. You and I trust and obey. Our faithfulness will lead to blessing. Maybe not the blessing you think on this side of eternity, but there's a day coming. There's a day coming in which God is going to rescue you from this world. He will take you from this world and he will take you to a place that he's prepared for you. A place that he has just for you. But you must trust and obey. So here's our song. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who trust and obey. The question for you this morning is, do you trust and obey? Do you put your faith and trust in God knowing that he is greater than anything you face? Do you trust him in in everything in your house? From the finances to your marriage to your children to your business. Do you trust him in our country? Do you think God is greater than a Republican president or a Democratic president? So if God's greater, then what what do we do? We trust him. We've got to trust God and be obedient. His word gives us directions. All we have to do is follow. The people of Israel, man, I think how they, how they messed up, because let's, let's be honest, they messed up, right? They come to a point where, where they don't trust and obey. And so God says, here's what I got to do. We're going to kill off a generation. We're going to kill off these people because they just won't listen and be obedient. And man, if I'm Moses and Caleb and Joshua... I'd be like, Lord, can't you just take the three of us? But no, they have to wait. And what do they have to do while they wait? Trust and obey. So while God has us here on this earth, no matter what we face, no matter what we do, we've got to trust and obey. Because Jesus has won the victory. We, we know victory has been won, so let's just trust. I mean, who else do you know died and came back from the grave three days later and who prepared a place for you in heaven? Anybody? No, Jesus. Tell you what, if somebody else comes along and does that, we'll have another conversation. But until that happens, let's just trust in Jesus alone. This morning, if you've never confessed Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to do this. We invite you... In a time of COVID, you can come and trust Jesus. In a time of COVID, you can rededicate your life for, for maybe you've been living your life and you've not been trusting. Maybe it's time to trust and be obedient. Maybe there's another decision on your heart. Would you do that today? Uh, 
I made a mistake and didn't put the telephone number in there, but you, you call us in the church office on Monday, 270-651-2186. As much as I've said the other one, I should know it, but I don't. But I can promise you Monday morning you can call and we will be happy to talk to you about coming to know Jesus, about joining our church family, or rededicating your life. 270-651-2186. Would you trust God today? Would you stand with me?